Hello welcome. and welcome to Casting Nets. I am one of yes. your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. I am joined with Pastor Will Harley, who's going to take on the rest of the introduction while I do technical stuff. Yeah, welcome to the show. Good to have you. Um, if you are living anywhere in and around where we do our show, which is Midwest Wisconsin here, um, <clears throat> we have had some storms come through, and so we were unable to get uh, our uh, ourselves out and into kind of the real world. And so instead of meeting together and having our show in, in our studios, um, I am here in the basement. He is he is in one of the studios now because it's right across from his house. He just had to walk across the parking lot to get to the studio. Um, but we're glad to be able to have technology to bring this together. So hopefully everything is going to stay uh, with our connection to each other and then our connection to you. Everything stays balanced and uh, our volume stay balanced. We welcome you to the show. Uh, we have finished our scandalous stories, which is what we had um, been doing for the last couple of months. We had the opportunity to go through some of the parables of our Lord. Uh, we then threw it out to our listeners saying, you know, what kind of things would you like to study? What kind of things would you like to do? And uh, today is another debunking podcast. So we are going to do some debunking. We are going to debunk angels and demons. And, and we're not saying that they don't exist, not that type of debunking, but some of the things that we think about them. Before we do that, uh, this is a podcast, two pastors. Um, you can see us if you are watching. Otherwise, you can hear us if you're listening. And we are just uh, having a conversation. We're starting the conversation uh, based on God's word, uh, how do we live our faith in in what it is that we do and how we say things? Um, we are not going to say everything perfectly. We may say things that are going to be offensive. It is not our intention. If for whatever reason uh, you find that something we did say um, sort of triggered you and you, you, your blood pressure started to to go up, just take a step back. It's just words. You can always contact us. We'll talk it out. If if it's truly something that that you can't stand, shut us off. Fast forward a little bit, whichever you need to do, um, so that you can kind of refocus, recenter, and uh, go after life again uh, with a clear heart and a clear mind. That being said, you can contact us because it is the beginning of a conversation. Uh, you can contact me, hopefully in person at St. John Maribel in Maribel, Wisconsin. Um, Churches at nine o'clock on Sundays, Bible study to follow right after that. I'm in the office most days unless I'm doing visits, but you can always leave a note. You can always stop by. Love to talk with you. If you want to go to Shirley, you can go to the Church Emmanuel right there, smack dab in Shirley, and Shirley you Road. will see. You will Shirley, see. Shirley, you know where that is. Shirley, and you will see Pastor Dave Rudat, and he will be there, and you will say, Yes, his head is that big and it will be an amazing thing and i'm going to get that coffee cup and it will look small a coffee cup 11 inches by nine inches and it will look small but it will house all of his coffee but he will be there to answer your questions so please come and visit him um, if you want to email us do so casting nets uh, pod at gmail.com Catch us on Facebook, send us uh, a like, send us a uh, text uh, or a message through Facebook. We will certainly get back to you through that. If you have ideas of things you want us to debunk, if you have ideas for, for topics that you would like us to pursue, by all means, send those over as well, and we will do that. Anything else you want to add? 
And if you do like what you are hearing, feel free to share. You have our permission to share us um, and uh, give us a, a rating. You can give us a rating of four stars if you're out of consideration for myself because you don't want my head to get any bigger. Uh, or you could give us five stars if you want it for Pastor Harley because his head could use a little bit enhancement in that regard. So you are free to do either one of those things. Uh, give us a, a review. It helps the algorithms, uh, the AI algorithms that are moving people content that they may or may not want. But if they are doing things like saying debunking angels or de- what about this about angels and you share this and you've made comments about it, then that also gets to them, even though they may not realize it. And then they would hear about Jesus and what he has done, the real life and living faith that we have found in him. All right. All right. Let's get on with it. Hey, if you're watching the show, we have a new ticker. It's running by the bottom. <laughs> if it gets annoying, we can always shut it off. So just let us know. It's probably less annoying than kinda, half the things we talk about. We we do like technology, so <laughs> sometimes we have to rein ourselves in. <laughs> All right, so we are talking about myths about angels that people hold on to or myths about the devil that people may be getting information from their culture or from their setting in which they're in, um, TV shows, uh, those kinds of things where people get these ideas about these spiritual beings, uh, whether it's the angels or the demons, and we are, our show is to debunk five of them. And uh, if there are more, if you have a comment, a myth that we did not cover or a perception that you have about angels that you have a question about, or you're like, you know what, Pastor, you should be aware of these things, please let us know at castingnethpod at gmail.com. The first myth that we're tackling today is that angels are chubby babies with harps and wings and halos. So, Pastor Harley, take that away. Take that month, <laughs> that myth, debunk it. <laughs> Go. So, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, chubby babies with harps, wings, and halos. You know, that is, uh, that is a medieval architectural design that they, that they kind of brought out. Um, they, they wanted to accent some of the more um, approachable, I think, ideas. Um, and actually, that plays in a little bit to another question that we're going to be debunking uh, later on in the show, uh, where, where, children who had passed um you know being called little angels this idea of of becoming angels and we'll debunk that later on i I think one of the things that that we really should do is instead of having our head the fictitious nature of what we think an angel should look like um kind of go back to the scriptures and and god does tell us what angels do look like um and i think that's one of the things that that as we go through um we should stop and consider when people look at angels um, throughout the scriptures, when an angel comes and confronts them, there's fear that they're there. They are afraid. It, this is not a, Oh, look how cute they are. What wonderful music. This is so, so wonderful and beautiful. Um, it is the, 
the simple fact that that an angel has come and now there is fear. There's something there that is very, very scary. Uh, some people have said because, well, they radiate the glory of the Lord, and because they see the glory of the Lord, the glory is shown around them. Um, there's that reaction, at possibly. Uh, but I also think that in Scripture, there is a reason to be afraid of them for the, what they look like, uh, just in the way that God depicts them. Um, and how they look is something that is fearful. Now, it's not how they look all the time. We do know that that an angel appeared in the open tomb, and he was as a man, um, and 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 there was no fear in that as as much as uh, he was preaching the good news. Um, Ezekiel, <clears throat> as I don't know if we have that queued up to be able to 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 kind of read a little bit of it, um, but Ezekiel chapter one, sort of four through twenty one, gives us a really good idea of not only some of the types of angels that are there, but also what they look like. Um, and so did you want to, since you have control over the, the device, why don't you read for us here? Sure. Ezekiel chapter one, this is from the uh, evangelical heritage version of the Bible. So verse four, as I watched, I noticed a windstorm coming from the north. There was a large cloud with fire flashing through it, and there was a bright light out all around it. In the middle of it, there was something that looked like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. In the middle of it, I saw like what looked like four living creatures. This was what they looked like. Each of them had a human appearance, but each one had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Each of their legs was straight, and their feet were like a calf's hoofs, and they gleamed like polished bronze. They had human hands under their wings on all four of their sides. All four of them had faces and wings. Their wings were touching one another. The creatures did not turn from side to side as they moved, but each one faced straight ahead. This is what their faces looked like. Each one had a face like a man's face on the right side of their heads. All four of them had a face like a lion on the left side. All four of them had a face like an ox. All four of them also had a face like an eagle. These were their faces. Their wings were stretched upward. Each of them had one pair of wings, which touched the wings of each of the cherubs next to it, and another pair of wings, which covered their bodies. Each one faced straight ahead as it moved. They went in whatever direction the spirit wanted to go. They did not turn as they moved ahead. The appearance of the living creatures was like red-hot coals, like the appearance of blazing torches. Fire was moving back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and the lightning was coming out of the fire, the creatures darted back and forth. They looked like jagged bolts of lightning. Want me to keep going? Yeah, to 21. Okay. As I looked at the living creatures, I noticed one wheel on the ground beside each one of the living creatures had four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their design was like the sparkle of topaz, and four of them looked like, and the four of them looked alike. Their appearance and their design were like a wheel within a wheel. They could go in any of the four directions when they moved, but the wheels did not turn from side to side when they moved. As for their rims, they were high and intimidating, and their rims were full of eyes all the way around, all four of them. Whenever the living creatures moved, the wheels moved alongside them, and whenever the living creatures would rise from the ground, the wheels rose too. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they would go. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, the wheels would rise together with them because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. Whenever the living creatures moved, the wheels would move. Whenever the living creatures stood still, the wheels would stand still. 
Whenever the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels would rise together with them because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. All right. <clears throat> so there gives you a really good condensation of four, uh, or I should say two of the specific types of angels that are presented within scripture. <clears throat> you have the cherubim and you have the, uh, or the cherubs, which directly connect with this question or the debunking that we're doing, because most people call the chubby babies with the harps and wings, the cherub. Well, the Lord tells us what the cherub looks like. The cherub looks like they have a body of a man. They have wings. They're all of fire. They are uh, casting lightning and have four faces. <laughs> not, not necessarily the little baby with a harp. Um, and then you have also uh, alongside them where they go, uh, the ofnim or the wheels, which is how it's been translated in our, our section of scripture for today, um, at least for this part of the question. The ofnim, these are the wheels within wheels with multiple eyes, and they, and they carry the throne. And they are allowing the, the angels and the throne uh, of the Lord as it moves to, to go where and when, when and how it desires. Uh, so you have two angels specifically listed here in Ezekiel. Both of these angels are um, not cute, awesome, chubby little creatures. They're, fearf they're very fearful looking. Um, they're powerful looking. They they are expressing not only God's creation, but they are expressing the power and the strength of what uh, God has given to them and their abilities um, to move and to go and to carry his power into the world. So uh, I think there is something to be said just in those sections. Of, um, you can go to Isaiah, right? Um, what was that? Isaiah six, six. Yeah. One through four, where you have the seraphim. And and you have the listing of the seraphim, uh, which is another uh, visual that we have of from the scriptures of these angels. Um, so you have three class of, or these three sections. You have Ophanim, the wheels, the cherubim, um, who also stood by uh, before the garden uh, after man was kicked out with the flaming sword, uh, and then the seraphim, uh, the burning ones from Isaiah 6. Uh, they have six wings, right? And they, they stand around the altar of the Lord. Uh, interestingly enough, um, there is debate as to which one of the order of, of angels the devil is. Um, and some have said that uh, the devil is, is uh, probably one of the seraphs. Because of he his, uh, his his look his appearance that of of light, um, which would come into what the seraphs look like the burning ones by in their name they they shone out, um, and also it seems at the end of Ezekiel and this is maybe for later conversation today but it seems uh, as at the end of Ezekiel um, he was one of the most beautiful uh, and had a place of prominence among the, uh, around the altar. Um, in his service before he fell. So I, I don't know if that helps debunk some of this, the first question at all. Um, angels are fearful, powerful creatures. They're not little chubby babies with harps that play music and have little cool little halos around their head. Um, although I know that that artwork is great. We love it. And we're like, oh, it makes me feel so wonderful. Um, the Lord does not want us to feel all wonderful. He wants us to feel in awe of, of his power and glory unleashed in his created beings. So 
I think with you, angels, we, we start off by saying the angels are spirits. So how they appeared in Ezekiel, how they appeared in Isaiah are just a representative of their function, isn't it? Uh, that they are functioning as, Mal- as Malachi, as messengers, or as functioning as agents of God in one way or the other. But the, in their natural state, quote-unquote, they're spirits. They are they're not. Uh, they don't have a body, but they appear as a body in these visions and before God's people. Uh, they are not. They don't have genders, so they're male or yeah. female. Uh, that's that's. I think that's important, especially when we talk about guardian angels. They don't have genders. They're not set up like the human race is set up. Uh, yeah. I, Go ahead. No, I would. I would say. Um, it is it is good to to reference um, the the spirit nature of the angels. Um, I would be very careful in saying they don't have a body. Um, they don't have a body of flesh as we have a body of flesh, but yet they they are fully capable of interacting. They are fully capable of of doing all that God has given for them to do in the capacity in which He has given it for them to do it. Um, yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, just yeah. the fact that they have an entity, they don't take up space, but yet they do yes. inhabit a space. So right, yeah, right. Um, they have, and, and I think it's our limited that isn't there. It's, it's just really kind of one of those things that make, makes your mind uh, turn to mush. But it does. But it's one of those things to step back and say, you know, there's so much about the world we don't know. And there's so much about the spiritual side of even the spiritual side of us uh, as as people that we are a spirit component and we are a physical component that we don't understand. Um, and, and and knowing that um, makes it a really hard conversation when we start opening up the, the veil and we try to look beyond the veil and try to say things or describe things that we ourselves I have not seen, aren't privy to. And so that's, again, why we come down to God's word. What does God's word say? God's word says, here are these creatures. Here's how I have presented them. And so you step back and you say, okay, well, I can understand why the shepherds being out in the field at night were afraid and had to be told, don't, don't be afraid. I can understand why, um, you know, when, when the angels appear, people are not you know, oh, this is the greatest experience of my life. This is this is something of fear because these are fearful creatures. Um, but I think maybe to backtrack as well, they are creatures. The angels are created beings, so they are they are they have they are not uh, eternal. They are everlasting. And maybe we should have a description of what that means. Eternal means there is no beginning and no end. That's only, that is only the Trinity. That is only the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have no beginning and no end. But they, they are eternal, just as we are. Our spirit is eternal. And when, when God creates everlasting, us. Everlasting, you mean. Yeah. But sorry, yeah, yeah. Everlasting. We are everlasting. It means we have a beginning, but we have no end. Angels have a beginning and they have no end. Uh, we as people have a beginning. Right? point of conception. Um, and our spirit has no end. Our soul has no end. Um, our body will, will, our sinful body will end and then be recreated in the resurrection uh, to all life. But the, the, the spirit, the soul is, is this thing that is an everlasting thing. And we, we can't wrap our head around what that truly is like, because uh, we're so bound up in time. We're so bound up in 24 hours, 365 days. 
So, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question um, to help debunk some of these things, but nah, no chubby babies, no harps. Well, I shouldn't say that. There are harps. You just get to play them. <laughs> and there are halos. There are halos, but they're more the fruit. <laughs> yeah, that whole picture of the Renaissance of the is it the Renaissance where the halos started coming in, or just to, yeah. or maybe before that, uh, just a, the depiction of something that's holy as something that's divine. Uh, we we still have that in our architecture and in our art today. It's not necessarily sinful to have those pictures, but it is. Uh, it crosses the line when you think that that's what they have all the time. Um, yeah, it, it was just more our of, art of trying to communicate the the essence of angels and their and their attributes. And when it came out as halos being around uh, the believers, it was more with the idea of um, the believers were wearing the crown, and so that was the the crown that was over them uh, all the time. That crown of life that was given to them. Um, if you go back, and if I remember correctly, if you go back into some of the religious art and, and art from that time period, um, sinful people, people who were not found in faith, never had that. It was only the the righteous who had the crown. And so, interesting. And it, it, I mean, that's all, going into to medieval art is always an interesting thing. Um, I think a lot of our, and you got to be careful because medieval art is just that medieval art. It, it, it comes and flows from a theology that not many of them knew themselves. And so they, they kind of just made paintings, pictures and wood carvings of the things that they thought they knew and understood. Um, in the ways that they confronted it. I mean, even if you look at the last supper, which is probably like one of the most famous images of, of, um, the, well, the Holy Communion um, that Jesus partook in. And we see the table and we're all like, that's how it looked. No, I mean, that's, I'm sorry. That's, that is an artist's rendition from hundreds of years after the fact. Um, and, and yeah, it's a beautiful painting, but it's not, it's, it's not what it was. So. And yeah. if our listeners are curious more about the comparison of angels and thinking about angels and how the Bible talks about angels, Hebrews might be a good uh, book to read as it compares Jesus to the angels. And then it has at the very end of chapter one, reminding us that angels are ministering spirits sent to to help those who will inherit salvation. They are there at our, um, to, to serve us, but they are not there to communicate with us. I think that goes to myth number four, that we have for today that we can like talk to angels or have some sort of relationship. If we have angels around us, if they are sent to do, to do God's bidding, if they're sent to guard as in uh, Psalm 91 verses 10 and 11, to, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. If we've got angels guarding us, if we've got angels around us, if we've got angels employed on God's behalf in this created world, why, why can't we just communicate to them? And what would you say to that, Pastor Harley? I would say that uh, you can. Um, God gives us opportunity at times to, um, where he, he pulls back the veil and he, he provides angelic beings um, for us to communicate with. I would, I would caution that, though, um, because those are always conversations they drive um, because they're there to give a message of, of the Lord and even when pushed, they're they're like, that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm I gave you what I'm here for and I'm gone. I'm I'm done. 
Um, they, they do that, which is what God has sent them to do. I also think that there is, and, and maybe this comes back down to sort of the essence and function of the angels. Um, in scripture, the word that is used, um, uh, Old Testament melcha, right? Um, New Testament angelos. Um, those are, strictly speaking, just messengers. That, that, that's all they mean. And, and really a lot of the, when we, we translate in the scripture, when we, when, when we're speaking English and English translators look at, it, they're like angel, everything. <laughs> um, and one of the things you have to be careful of is sometimes in the scriptures, the Lord is sending an angel, but it's a person because it's his messenger that he sent. Um, and, and so, um, in our conversation, we are referencing the heavenly angels, but but be careful when saying, you know, some people will say, well, I can talk to angels. Yeah, you can, because I've had people in my congregation, I have people who are fellow Christians who have come and they have brought God's word to me. They have come and they have given me a word of comfort when I needed it the most, and they are angels sent by God um, in my greatest time of need um, to watch over me. And I can talk with them because they are they're, <laughs> they're people. Um, but when you, when you do pause and you say, okay, um, can we talk to the heavenly angels, to the ones that God sends, uh, sends, uh, in, into our time and space who were once spirit and now given, um, to look and interact like us or for us, go to Zechariah talking with Gabriel, go to, uh, Mary talking with Gabriel, um, go to, uh, any one of those, uh, just the, you know, the, the fact that uh, granted the shepherds didn't talk back to the angels, um, when they ripped open the heavens and sang the glory and praise of the Lord, but they communicated to us, um, you know, here's the message for you. So I, I think there's, there's these wonderful times where we do get a conversation, um, with the heavenly angels, but it's always limited. What's the purpose? The purpose isn't let's talk and, you know, let's, let's get the down low of what heaven's like. It's no, the Lord has sent me to give to you something special, to reveal to you something about the Christ, to reveal to you something that you need to know. Yeah. There certainly is always a fascination, a temptation for us to get outside of the revealed word of God and somehow get spiritually fed differently. Like if I would, if my heart, like you think of the charismatic thinking of if we're going to speak in angels speak, we're going to speak in tongues. Uh, this is going to be a higher level of communication because we're using angel speak. And, and we were going before the show, we were looking at first Corinthians 13, where, where, before Paul says, uh, if I speak of angel in, Lead us the tongues that. of yes. speak if I speak in the tongues of angels but have not love I'm a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal um and and going into first Corinthians uh you go to first uh, Corinthians 13 uh, Paul's not saying um I have the ability to speak in the tongues of angels he's saying I'm going to make the most absurd comment ever which is even if there was an angel speak and I could speak it but I spoke it in hatred and I spoke it in, in something that's not, then this is what it would be. He's, he's giving you, he's giving you the, the ridiculousness of the entirety of it. He, he's not saying this is an actual thing. 
Um, he's saying this is the ridiculous nature. And, and I would also, I, maybe this is the caution, right? That we should all bear. Um, if an angel is coming and sitting down with you to have a little chit chat, thousands of red flags should start to be f- just firing off in your head. The last time an angel decided to come down and have a little chit chat, um, there was discrediting of the Lord. There was the lies that he really didn't say what he was supposed to say. There was the, well, you can do it because you can be like God. Let's, let's go back and revisit that conversation. <laughs> so instead of the last time, the first time, the, yeah. The, well, no. uh, and Paul is saying that in Galatians 1 verse 8, if, if even an angel from heaven were to give you something other than the revealed word of God, let him be anathema. Let him be right. condemned. But, but that's what I'm saying. You know, angels don't come down and just have chit-chats with people because they are on a mission to do the Lord's will. The last time, and probably I shouldn't say the, the last time we have recorded, well, it's not really the last one because we have it recorded again in, in, in Matthew um, with the, the temptations of Jesus. But when, when we have the fallen angels, the demons, they'll come and talk with you all, that, all they want, but they'll just feed you nothing but lies. Um, and, and this is where the occult really picks up because the occult turns to those conversations. Um, the occult thrives on those conversations of the father of lies. Um, and so the Ouija board leans right into, let's have these angels that have fallen from glory and have disobeyed the Lord now speak to us and they're going to answer questions for us and they'll answer anything they want because their whole entire purpose is to lead you from the cross of Christ where the angels in heaven who have been preserved in heaven, their whole entire goal is I'm going to tell you about your savior and I'm going to lead you to him. And then that my job, I'm done. They're, but I want to know more. Which, it's by the way, is it's also given to you the written word of God. Like, here. Right. Here it is. Here's the promise. There you go. I go back to Isaiah, the seraphim. You know, Isaiah is looking up to heaven, um, and and uh, um, he sees the the altar of the Lord. He sees the seraphim, and they're singing, "Glory, glory, uh, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is full of your glory." And uh, he he's just awestruck. And I can imagine the questions. Oh, I want to talk to these angels, see what's going on. And the angel goes, takes a tong from the, the altar, uh, or takes the tongs and, and uh, a coal from the altar and places it upon his lips and makes him holy that he may speak. And, and the first words he hears is who will go for us. And he says, here am I, send me. It's like, let's not even talk about the angels. We're talking about the work of God, the work of the Lord. Um, Demons will have a conversation with you all day long about your dead grandparents and conversations that were happening behind closed doors. Demons will have conversations all day long about um, how statues can bleed. Demons will have conversations all day long about uh, lost puppies and uh, you name it, whatever. Um, those should be red flags. Thank you. Did and I go too far? To the next, that, um, I'm sorry? Did I go too far? No. Did, I mean, <laughs> if I if, if you if you haven't if you didn't get it this time, I will say it out loud. Mediums are of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> horoscopes, hor- mediums, horoscopes, fortune tellers. Um, 
Ouija yeah, you mentioned boards. the Ouija board, yeah. which is that little yeah. board where you would you would uh, be guided, quote unquote, to different letters, and and you yeah. ask the Ouija board things, and the Ouija board will answer. Yeah, and, and those things can happen. I, I, and and I'm not saying they can't. The they can happen. And I've heard many, many occurrences. Uh, my mom was a part of one of those occurrences where it happened. And and it, you know, it is a freaky thing. But you're playing and opening up the door to things you shouldn't be opening up the door to for reasons mm-hmm. and purposes that are going to lead you from the cross of Christ instead of to the cross of Christ and securing his glory. We have a really, really good question that came up on the on the chat just now. And the question is, can demons appear as people you're familiar with. And the question that, so to answer that question, um, I would, I would have to say no. And, and, and so here's the caveat to that. Um, demons as, as with angels, because they are the same, they're created the same one's fallen, one's not. They, have ex- they have extraordinary power. Um, they are they are they are celestial beings. Um, they are uh, in terms of capabilities far surpassing what mortals can do in our current state of sin. Um, that being said, they cannot do things that God does not allow them to do. So. They have to ask permission to act. Even demons have to ask permission to ask. Go to the book of Job, very first chapter uh, of Job. God pulls back the veil and he says, I mean, this is coming up too. Um, Satan, have you seen? Because <laughs> Satan doesn't know everything. He's an angel. He only knows what he can see, what he can hear. Um, he doesn't know everything. And, and, and the Lord says, hey, I have a servant named Job and he's awesome. And Satan says, I bet you if he if he had everything removed from his life, um, he wouldn't be so awesome. And what is what does the Lord say? The Lord says, you can do this up to this point, but you can go no further. Right? Um, so that's a really good occurrence. Go back to the 10th plague of Egypt. You have the angel of death, the angel of death who was unleashed. And notice the chain that God places upon him. You can kill all the firstborn except the ones found covered in the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. You cannot touch them. I will not let it. You cannot do it. Um, so I think you got to be very, very careful in saying where, granted, they're very, very powerful. Granted, I don't, you don't want to mess with them. Don't welcome them into your home. Don't do these types of things and open up the door because they, they will. Um, New Testament's filled with, with demon possession uh, because they, they find their ways in. That being said, they're not, they might give you the illusion of a loved one. They might mimic to, to lead astray, but they cannot embody someone God will not, they, they can't embody someone else's spirit. Um, so, so you have a mimicry, but you do not have. So, so like when you talk to a medium or someone and they say, well, it was their voice. There's a mimicry there. Or they said, well, they had a conversation, and I never knew about that conversation. Well, if that conversation was had behind closed doors, it's free game for a demon to hear. It's not as if they're reading a heart. It's not as if they looked into their brain and took it out of their brain. They can mimic 
and they can they can do those types of things, but they cannot be. That leads us to the next myth uh, that the devil can read your thoughts, that he's engaged inside your your head or the demons are engaged inside your head. And uh, that's a very valid point. They are uh, not omniscient. They don't know everything. They can hear things. So they're better than Google and they're better than uh, your Alexa. I just triggered your Alexa's. Um, and uh, they're better than all those things which know everything about you. They can, they can witness these things. They can mimic, and mimic them, as you say. But can they actually be those things uh, is, a, is a good distinction. And also I liked your distinction as well as uh, they, they, they have limits. God puts limits on them. So they're not as if they can do just what, about it, anything they want. Uh, they are put on limits. Whatever those limits are, we're not, we're not privy to, but they um, are limited. So, and we want to get back to the the conversation about about uh, how what is their capability. But the the follow up question is: Are they can they themselves or can they make themselves look like someone you're familiar with? Um, again, I'm thinking of the Witch of Endor and Saul, where there was someone who looked kind of like Samuel, but was it actually Samuel? Was is left up there? Right, and and again, this is one of those things where. I think you got to take a step back and you have to say there's a difference between one who looks familiar and one who looks the same. And, and um, I would say, because this is an area of scripture where it is silent. We just got to be honest about it. It is silent in scripture. Um, But there is only one of you. There's not two of you. There's no doppelganger that walks around. I know that's been a huge thing in in a lot of stories, especially and actually especially in the in Middle Ages um, and in the Renaissance. They they thought that uh, there were true things as doppelgangers that the that the devil would would copy you or the demons would copy you completely and then embody that and destroy your life. And it really wasn't you who did it. Um, I don't. I don't see that in scripture um, and, and all of the demon possessions and things of that nature. I don't see that. We do have some very interesting demon possession accounts though, within scripture, one um, where he is super strong and he has many demons within him. He has a legion within him and, and he is uncontrollable and yet is, is, is super strength and, and abilities and things of that nature. We also have another one. Uh, I can't remember the reference off the top of my head. I would have to type it in to, to try to find it again. Um, in the synagogue, right? When Jesus comes and, and he was a man who was worshiping in the synagogue and was demon possessed and was in the disguise of a believer, um, but was far from a believer, but possessed by a demon. All of those occurrences seem to be more of possession than than mimicry of um, bodily visual. Um, whenever we have the demons usually present themselves, it's it's like the scriptures say, the reference of, of Satan presenting himself like an angel of light. Presenting and himself. I, yeah, go on. I was going to say with Legion, when, when, the, when the demons were out of him, then they were... The, the comment was he's in his right mind. Like all of a sudden now he's a completely different person. So it wasn't as if the demons in in that particular case, it, it seemed like there was a completely different personality that was happening with that demon right. possession. 
But getting back to the myth of the devil knows your thoughts, why is it that people sometimes believe that the devil knows everything they're thinking? The myth comes into um, the desire for all people to want to say the devil made me do it. <laughs> uh, it also comes into the the idea that um, we give far too much credit to celestial beings than we should. And not enough um, credit to our own sinful nature. <laughs> and not enough credit to our own sinful nature, but also yeah. not enough credit to God. Um, mm-hmm. We, uh, And I always find this funny. We We call the devil the devil for a reason. We call God, God for a reason. Um, and I know we are trying to rewrite this idea in, in our society in which we live that God does not mean God. God by the very word means omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. It means all capability. It means all ability. Um, that's what the term God means. And so if something has the marker of God, he, there is no, he is, he is not incapable. And there's a reason why we don't call the devil God because he is, he's bound. He is limited. Um, he is not God. He is a created being. Now he's a powerful created being, but he's a created being. And I think in our society, we are, we're moving away from that idea. If you read a lot of the things in, in the world today, um, they try to place stories of gods that can die, place stories in, in gods that, that don't have all wisdom, that place stories of, of gods who are more like us than what a God, what God would be. Um, and you don't have to go far back for those stories. You don't even have to go to now. I mean, you just look back into mythology, right? And you see gods that are infallible creatures, or sorry, fallible creatures, not infallible. You see, you see creatures who are are just like us, except more powerful. Um, which is my very definition of a demon: <laughs> more powerful, but like us, greedy, selfish. Um, out for their own. Coming back to that then, um, they don't know what's in your heart because only God does. Scripture is very, very clear on that. Scripture is very, the only person who knows what is in the heart is the spirit, is God himself. That's it. Um, So unless you say it, he doesn't know it. But, but, maybe the caveat, the devil's been around a really long time and people don't change as much as we like to think. <laughs> and so the same bag of tricks that worked for Adam and Eve pretty much are going to work for you. <laughs> yeah. He tried them on Jesus and in one way or yeah. another. He tried the same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. He's been around so, a long time. I do like the idea of he's not diminishing in power. Um, no. And, uh, because that's, I mean, we're in a, living in a world where every being d- diminishes in power. Superman got, the Superman in the comics got so powerful that, no, now we have to diminish him. We have to kill him even uh, just to make him less than he was because he was becoming too godlike. Uh, so as you watch the superhero movies, they always have to have some sort of tragic flaw or their abilities diminish over time. I think of Wolverine's abilities uh, dis- diminishing over time. 
But uh, God does not change over time. Neither does no. the devil. And his tactics are the same. He is still uh, a force to be reckoned with. And let's also talk about our sinful nature. Our sinful nature is also uh, just as, as powerful as it was in our lives as it was in the Old Testament as well. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, time is for us. It's not for the celestial beings. Um, so the devil is outside of time. Angels are outside of time. God himself, of course, the Trinity outside of time. Um, but he comes into time, right? And he he does he does for his people what he needs to do inside time for his people. But that's why the Lord can say, "From all eternity, I have sent my Son." Um, he that that was from all eternity what he was going to do, and so it was done from all eternity. Um, and then people are like, "Well, then why did he allow everyone to fall?" In? Because um, you are so precious, he wasn't going to lose you, and. And and maybe here's the kicker when we talk about the devil, the devil's anger over over um, faith is that he is shut off from it. That there, the devil viewed himself. Uh, go to Ezekiel twenty eight for this. Um, um, the devil viewed himself on par with God, and he fell, and and God did not. God did not say, well, I'm going to send my son to redeem you. It was done. You fell. It's over. There's there's no going back. And so he uses the same tactic. In fact, the same thing that he fell to, he uses that against mankind. And the son of God walks in the garden and says, I'm going to fix it because you're, you are important to me. Um, what a humbling experience although he never sees it. What a humbling experience for Satan to have to come to the terms of he is less than the very mortals he destroyed. And and God, in a very, very brilliant and beautiful way, said, you are, you are less than them, and they are more important to me. I, I, I view that as a humbling experience. So, I all don't right, know. let's. That's good. That's good. You Every have no comments. The devil, we need. It's, it's very hard because you're like, you're like, I'm like, okay, here's the sounding board. I mean, we got some people that are saying, okay, some questions, but, but you're supposed to be the sounding board. Like, okay, okay, I don't know. You're like, I don't know if I want to answer. I think Pastor Harley's going down a road that, that, you know, we might be called from district president here, and I just want to be able to say <laughs> I haven't said anything. <laughs> <laughs> You know me. I'm not political. Um, well, I mean, I mean, what do you? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any. Give us some I mean, feedback. Uh, I, I'm. My feedback was: I'm glad that when we're talking about the devil, we talk about Jesus and how one little word can fell him, uh, the devil. So when we're talking about the devil, sometimes we think about him being the one that's inside of our head, so he's scary. Uh, we can't do anything about him, and then we are reminded: No, Jesus crushed his power. He de- destroyed his power. The devil is going to be eating dust all of his life. Every day, the devil. Every time you open God's word, every time you go to church, every time you you hear your sins forgiven by your pastor, you're, the devil is sitting there groveling in the dirt because you are giving something he never was offered uh, because of the grace of God, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but because uh, Jesus uh, chose. Uh, to love you in this way, so this is uh, this is an encouragement for us as we're thinking about the devil. He one little word can fell him, uh, and that one word is 
Jesus. Um, and so that's a good, good thing for us to consider as we're thinking about uh, debunking angels, debunking uh, uh, de- uh, demon possession. And as we get kind of go to those dark thoughts about uh, the, of the devil and what he can do to remind ourselves that he's, he's still slithering in the dirt. Uh, he is, is not someone to be feared because we have Christ. On the flip side, though, and, 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 and just to give this comment, you know, you talk about some of the things that the devil can do and you talk about, um, there was a comment and, and I like, I like, I think she's picking up on it. Uh, Katie, you did a great job. Um, the idea of a person, the, the, what is inside being worn as a mask. And that's very true because um, when you talk about vocation as a Christian, we are the masks of, of God in the world that God is working through us into serving the the world, that same thing happens on the flip side, and and that, that's something that I think that we need to be aware of. That there there is in the world only two types of people. There are those who are the children of God, one through the blood of Christ, uh, who are found in faith by the Spirit, or there are those who are the children of the Father of Lies. They are the they are the seed of the serpent. There aren't any other in betweens. And, and if there's no other in-betweens, if God works in his people to serve creation, the devil works in his children to destroy it. And I think there is something to be said there. That, that you are either, you're, you're one side or the other. You are either for creation working, thriving, growing, and living in what God has given back to you because of Christ Jesus, or you're working against it because it because it, you're thinking only about yourself, because your father is the father of lies. You are his children. Um, and, and so the power that he can exert in your life, right, uh, the, is, is something that is very, very much there. Um, you wonder how bad people can get. And, you, and you, I, I've often wondered that. You know, if you have those conversations, like, I can't believe someone did that. I can. I know who their dad is. And it could get a lot worse. You know, you think about, you think about um, in wartime, the atrocities that we commit against each other. Or you think about the, the weapons that we create so that we can kill one another. Where do those things come from? Where did, where, and I'm not discrediting the sinful nature at all, but we are following in some really dark footsteps, and and we're not even near as powerful as as the one who walked that road way before us, um, and, and the one who gives us His Word. So oftentimes we are looking for guidance or encouragement or strength from somewhere else other than what God has revealed to us through His Word and sacraments. And an encouragement for us as we're fighting our own sinful nature, which is still going to be powerful, which can lead us to do some, lead what we would say good people, lead people to do some terrible things to one another. We've got that still. Uh, the devil's still here. He's still in, in his dominion and his, in his uh, cohorts are still here on this earth, but we still have God's word and his sacraments and we still have the victory through Jesus and what he has done. Yeah. Uh, and because of that victory, we know that he's going to be watching over us. And one of the things that he does to watch over us is to send guardian angels. Let's talk about guardian angels, some myths perhaps around those guardian angels. <laughs> he's laughing because I was able to direct us to the next myth. Right <laughs> <a> second, Dave. 
Way to stop a good conversation. Jeez. <laughs> That's one way to think of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Guardian Angels. Um, I th- I think one of the great one of the greatest myths about guardian angels are um the idea that you only have one. I think that is I think as far as I and may, correct me if I'm wrong I think one of the I at least that's the one I've heard the most is that um you get one guardian angel, right? You have a guardian angel that that watches over you. Um and and I usually my comment because I'm very snarky um <laughs> Uh, my, it's my halo, by the way. That's why I look pale. I'm, I'm my, my Christian character is shining brightly today. (laughs) No, um, the, uh, what was I talking about? Guardian angels. I usually say when someone says, well, I only have one guardian angel and that is, and I usually tell them that's because I needed the rest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but no, that's I, I think going to to Psalm ninety one really gives us a good clearance and good idea of of some of this. Um, and now this is a course. Um, this ends up being a prophecy fulfilled in Christ that that uh, uh, Satan uses against him, right? Uh, where where Satan tries to use these very words of 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 the Psalms to say, well, you can throw yourself off of the temple, and your father will will keep you from striking your foot against uh, the ground because he'll send his angels to protect you. Uh, but I still think it's beautiful for us, right? Um, yes, he will give you a command. Uh, he'll give a command to his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Um, he doesn't say, I will give to you a guardian angel. He says, I will give to you guardian angels um he'll give he'll give his angels the command um so that they're all looking out for you you know this is their job is to stand over and and wait on bated breath for those who are are the children of god to be revealed and they love it um they wait on bated breath to be sent when the time is right to take you to be home with with the lord um and then when you, how many times in life have you done some stupid things and, um, you know, God be praised that his angels were there. Um, was it Elisha who prayed yeah, to Elisha. have yeah. Elisha? Yeah. 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 And he said, open up the, open up his servant's eyes so that he may see those who surround them, that they are greater I mean, than those who are against. Yeah, another example might be a more than one angel would be in Matthew 18, verse 10, where he's talking about little children. If anyone causes one of these little children to sin, uh, I'll read it uh, directly. Matthew 18, verse 10, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father in heaven. So that this idea of, of uh, more than one angel as a guardian angel, a special relationship, I think, do we have the same guardian angel throughout our life? That's not something that's revealed to us in God's word. Does the angel have the same gender as we do? We would say angels don't have genders, so they don't, they don't identify that way. So let's uh, let's keep the angels to be the created being that God has created them to be, that they sometimes appear as male. They, I don't think they ever appear as female in the scriptures. I think that was a renaissance thing where you started getting female angels and baby angels and 
and chubby babies with the and those kinds of things. Um, the scripture just says, here's an angel. You have more than one. They watch over yeah. you. Psalm 91. And, and, uh, that's, Second that's, Kings kind, six. that's the, what, sorry. Second Kings six. Yeah. Second Kings. Okay. Yeah. And, and six where you have the fire angels <laughs> gathering around. I, I, I do want to say though, that, that there is coming back to that comment uh, before, you know, you're right in the, in, in the Renaissance middle ages ish you had this upcropping of uh, uh angels taking on different sexes um and being seen as different things i think you got to take that with a grain of salt in the sense that you had a culture that was looking at men and saying man there's there's some atrocities going on and and some women stepped up and they were they were doing things for the communities doing things for societies they were trying to be the level heads and and so the artists started to pick them as the the angels sent right to help rein us in um you had a time in the middle ages or the renaissance where where we started moving away from the idea of original sin and we started to embrace this idea of the tabula rasa where we had this this uh, blank slate that we were born with. And so I think you had a lot of babies who are especially lost during plagues and things of that nature during that time. And they're like, these are the innocent. And so they, they had them depicted. Uh, they had angels depicted as these things because they were the little angels. We, we, those terminologies have carried on into our, our common speech today. This is my little angel, or she is an angel sent from heaven. Um, you know, people referring to their wives. Um, because of their character. I'm not saying that that's not necessarily a bad and nice thing to say. You know, our, we'd all love little angels as kids. Mine were little demons, just like Luther's. Um, until the waters of baptism. And now they're now they're little saints with demons that like to pop up out of the water. <laughs> I believe my wife is an angel. You know, she has to put up with me. Um, I know your wife is an angel. Um, she puts up with you. Um, and had many of your children. So... <laughs> <laughs> all of my children. Yes, all of your children. All of so. my children were were born by my wife. Uh, <laughs> so she is an angel. She is an angel. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, we haven't really talked about uh, guardian angels or um, angels guarding us as we go to the next life. I think that's a that's a we get that from Lazarus from Luke sixteen. Taking the angels taking Lazarus to Abraham's side. Now, is that is that a real thing, or is that just a story of Jesus? I I do like the idea that God sends the angels. Am I going to discredit someone saying oh, I saw angels when my loved one was dying, or or uh, I know my grandmother would want would uh, talked about when my grandfather was getting close to the end. He mentioned something about angels. There's not necessarily something wrong unless those angels are saying something different, like Galatians 1 verse 8. Unless they're leading you down a path that is away from God, uh, there's a, a spiritual realm that we're not aware of all the details of. I, I think I think you do have a good stand, though, on saying that um, that the angels that God has sent to watch over you take you to be with him. Um, just in the sense that at the end of days, uh, we have... Uh, a lot of references to the angels, even in parables, um, Jesus will give many references to the angels going out and reaping the fields, and they will bring in the harvest. Um, we like to think that's going to happen all at one time, 
Yeah, but I, 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 too, yeah. yeah, I think that it happens also. It will happen all at one time, of course, at the end of the day. But I think it happens also as time progresses, as as one who is found in Christ passes from this life. Um, yeah, they're taken. I don't think it's a wrong thing to say that that the Lord comes to get you, or a, lo- a, lo- a wrong thing to say that an angel comes to get you, because when the Lord sends His angels to do His bidding, it's one and the same. Yeah, and it is a, a supreme comfort, right? When someone who's, right. who's facing the end of their life, like, well, if I die and God doesn't, is He not paying attention? Uh, just that that thought of the angels carrying me home—that that I will will not be all by myself when I die. When when uh, uh, David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. Yeah, the Lord is with us, and he, like you said, when he sends his angels, it's the same as if he's sending himself. Uh, he he and the angels are one as far as uh, uh, function and work in uh, work in that work of, of protecting yeah. and watching over you. Yeah, it's not the same. They are not one as as the father and the son are one and the spirit is one and they are not as exactly. they're not one as as we are now because we are found in Christ um but they are one in purpose and i think that is where where theologically we would stand as saying that that um the angels in heaven are united in purpose in the service of god um mm-hmm. and as he has sent them to do so as so as the lord sends them out they go and they do what the lord has sent them to do um Speaking of the end of our life, that leads to the number one myth about angels is that when we die, we become an angel. How would you yeah. answer that myth? Isn't that from Matthew, where, where people like to to kind of say that? Um, oh, give me the reference. Matthew. Uh, is that Matthew 18 again? Matthew 18 verse 10? It might be. I'm looking at it right now. Or trying to look at it right now. Mm. And while you're looking, our audience is debunking the myth in the comments. They're the best audience ever. Angels were created before us. So, yeah, there's set the set number of angels. So they don't expand in number... Yeah, I'm just trying to find that exact reference, and I'm not... I'm yeah, not and where does that... That whole concept of why people become an angel might be an oblique reference to what he'll find, and, and uh, I'll carry the water here while he's looking that up, but uh, the Mormonism is very strong in their uh, belief system that when you die, you become an angel. Uh, you, we see it's culturally in good movies like It's a Wonderful Life, where Clarence is is uh, demonstrated as if he were someone who was alive but is now an angel and he's trying to get his wings, uh, that sort of thing. So the idea that your loved one is in heaven watching over you like the angels watch over you is a very appealing one, but it is not a scriptural one. Uh, that uh, the Lord is watching over you. He is sending his angels, but not necessarily that he is sending our loved one to watch over us. It's Luke 20 is where we want to go to help with that question. 35 through 36 in Luke 20. Um, and, and Jesus is saying, I'll read from 34 on, and then oh, we can get on, back into Luke. Let me get there. Luke 20, Luke 20, and we'll just do 35 through 36. So it's, uh, um, are you going to bring it up on the screen? There you go. 
And so Jesus said to them, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to experience that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. In fact, they cannot die anymore for they are like the angels. They are sons of God because they are sons of the resurrection. So that's that's where we get from the... Um, the scriptures, this idea that they are like the angels, um, and that when we die, we'll become like the angels. Now, uh, like well, you were it's saying, a, a stretch. We're not becoming it, the angels. We're like the angels in this right. respect that we don't well, married like the angels. We aren't. Yeah. We aren't given or we aren't part- participating in marriage because that's a, a, a an earth thing, not an, a heaven thing. Yeah. So that's. Uh, and when we were doing this Bible study in church um, about that, that was the one that was the one thing in this entire lesson um, that my wife hated was uh, this this verse. And it wasn't the because we weren't going to become angels, but it was verse thirty four. Uh, People of this age marry and are given in marriage, and then thirty five. But those who are considered worthy to experience that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry or nor are given in marriage. And she's like, "What if I want to be married with you in heaven for all eternity?" And I said, "That's not a thing." And she says, "But well, I love you so much, I want to do that." I'm like, "That's not a thing." <laughs> That's not um, a thing that she loves you so much. <laughs> no, no that 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 in heaven that in heaven that 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 yeah. the same type of relationship that we experience now would be would be there. Um, and, and here is where the kind of, you look at it in scripture and you say, okay, what are we, what are we focusing on? Cause he says in 36, in fact, they cannot die anymore for they are like the angels. Now the question that comes up is, are we like the angels according to the entirety of the comment? In other words, um, we're not going to be giving in marriage or taking in marriage because we're like the angels and we're not going to die because we're like the angels. Or are we limiting it to that sentence of we are not going to die because we are going to be like the angels, which are everlasting. So so you have you really have two ways of, of approaching that. Now. You you probably could say both in the same in the sense that angels are sexless, so they don't have a giving and taking in marriage. There's no need for it. But then you're gonna then you're saying, well, in heaven are we sexless? And and I don't think there's anything in scripture that gives clearance to that because Jesus in his resurrection in his glorified body is still Jesus. He is a human male. He's not sexless. Um so genderless, we might say. Uh, he still is what he is. So we have to be very careful as to how we are looking at that text and saying, what is that phrase like the angels? What does it mean and what's it referring back to? Um, it's definitely not saying we are as angels or we are angels. Um, he's saying we're like. So we have some joint quality. What's the quality that's being highlighted? So I'm going to throw it back to you, Dave, and you can walk us through what your thoughts are and the quality highlighted. Um, well, it just talks, I, I always viewed it in terms of our, our marriage, like marriage is not the, is an institution that God instituted for this world, and we will be brothers and sisters in heaven, we will all be this one community together, but is there going to be us having children in heaven? Uh, that's, that's, not, that's not a thing. That that's a Mormon thing, um, and so 
Yeah. And that's true. And and that's the problem, right? The 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 problem is we want to change our being. We want to change our substance. Um and maybe this comes into the idea that um that that substance is possible to be changed. Um and and there is there is no there's no way that a substance can be changed, even in sin. And I think this is this is something that 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 should be um important for us to know. Sin does not change our substance. Sin is a um it is a character. It is a part of uh it's so such an integral part of who we are that we can't shake it, we can't clean it off ourselves, we can't get rid of it ourselves, but it is not part of our substance. Um, if you remove sin, people are still people, right? People are still going to be what God created them to be. We see that in Christ. Christ is a hundred percent man. He does not have sin, the substance because it's not the substance of man. Um, and so, when we are in heaven, what is the substance? We're still people because because that's what we are. God created us to be that. The substance of angels are still angels because that's what they were created to be. Um, it's the same idea that that we would say uh, in evolutionary terms. One one species does not turn into another species because they're different substance, and you can see that on a very genetic level. They're different; um, they're not the same, and they can't go from one to the other. And so the same thing happens. We don't go from people to celestial being. We go from people to glorified people. <laughs> there's there's some really good comments in the comment section about those who have gone before us and in the Lord who are sitting there in heaven and just that it, it is so heart-wrenching to lose someone you love and there they are in heaven that you want to be able to still be in communion with them and still be communicating with them. Uh, we have no assurance that they are watching over us. They're not watching over our if they're not watching over the good times, they're not watching over the bad times either. Uh, they are before their God. They're they're waiting the day that their, their salvation will be complete when they are given their resurrected body and, and are living in a, in a new heaven and a new earth. Um, so what can we do? I think of I I think of my own father, how he's never met any of my children, and I go, wouldn't it be nice if he had some sort of wouldn't it be nice for him to know them? And then I'm reminded, oh, I have one way for sure that I know that they will meet him and he will meet them is that they remain in the faith, uh, that they are uh, exposed to God's word and sacraments so that one day they will see him. One day they will meet him. Um, I have done sometimes when I have really uh, I missed him, I've you know visited with a shut-in and I said, I know there's lots of people that you need to see in heaven, but can you just uh, look out for Arnold Rudat and just tell him his, 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 uh, Son's doing okay. And it's just one of those things where you would talk to someone who's close to death. And I like, if I could put in one request, could I do this? Um, not because I know that uh, uh, it, I have, and this is all stuff like if, at the end of all things that uh, this never happens, I'll be perfectly fine. But I think it just to those weaker moments of, of missing those that we love. How, how, how can we communicate with someone we're designed to be with some, with this community of believers forever and how hard that is to be, uh, divorced from that to be in a situation where we're not in communication anymore. Well, and this is one of those things where you have an opportunity for teaching, right? Because what do we do in, in worship when we receive God's gifts? We are mimicking um, in a world filled with sin that which is is being lived in heaven 
right now by those who have gone before us. Um, what they receive, what they are, what they are gathering around the altar and giving praise and honor to God, we so too. Um, as we live our lives in faith, they too are now um, confirmed in that faith, living there in that glorious. One of the one one of the things that I struggle with in this whole entire thing, and and, and sometimes um, we can get caught up in it. We we think that there is this waiting time for for those who have passed. Um, that that all and. Some of the scriptures that we read it gives the illusion, um, but I think it's more for for uh, story's sake than necessarily for fact's sake. Um, when 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 you pass away, Ezekiel is very clear: once to die, then to judgment. Um, Ecclesiastes, there's yeah. th- there there's no waiting period. There, there is no we're going to wait around and see what God. They they're there. They're they're at the end. Um, I, I go to the parables uh, of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, when one is found, um, the angels in heaven celebrate. I, I'm, I'm almost guaranteed that those who are there are not also celebrating with them because one was found. Um, when your children were baptized, they knew it in heaven. Um, when my children were baptized, they knew it in heaven, um, as certainly as they knew it on earth. Um, as as they live that life of faith, those are glorious things as God has worked in them and given to them um, such faith and comfort and hope. I, I just, it's one of those things where, where you look at it and you say, there's so many unknowns, but you, you go to the scriptures and you take what you can for the hope that he gives, because it is for that reason um, that we have those things. Um, they're not, they're not waiting for us. They're there. It's it's there, yeah, right? It's not like they're like, oh, I can't, and that's not what I meant to say. Like, like our loved one is sitting there going, "Well, I'm, this is nice, but uh, you know, yeah. my my kids aren't here yet. You know, just it's not like you're sitting in, in the eternal waiting room before you go into the feast, like you would uh, go into a supper club and you you would sit in the waiting area before you sit down. Not like they're in that at, at, at all. I, I I don't mean to say that uh, he's, and and I think. Th- that's not you're addressing. You're not addressing me. You're addressing the the individual who's who's thinking that their loved one is thinking that heaven is somehow incomplete because uh, right. we're still stuck down here. Right. Um, and, and that's uh, not it. That's not and, it. And, and we have a really they're, beautiful they're in, question. In, yeah. yeah where did, um, there's that, and I think there is something to be said for when somebody is in heaven. Perhaps their viewpoint of time is different than here. Yes, there's this idea of longing for the full salvation that happens at the end of all things when full redemption, I should probably say, uh, full redemption that happens at the end of all things, that they will now uh, be free from um, death completely because they have a resurrected body. But this idea of perhaps they, they don't perceive time as we do in Revelation, there's a picture of them longing and petitioning God to to come soon because... Uh, they're they're longing for God's justice. They have a a proper understanding of God's justice up there in heaven. But but again there, again, time is for us, not for heaven. So that's yeah. like you said. There's uh, the perception of uh, time is is um, could be different. Yeah, we have yeah. Ficky, Lazarus, go, where did yeah. Lazarus go for four days? What was his experience? That's the question we can't answer. That's an interesting question. 
Uh, you know, he was like, here I was. <laughs> I was there and now I'm back. back. But, you know, it's it, a lot, Mary and Martha. Geez. Thank you. No, you know, he was fine. He stayed away. No, um, you know, but that's, uh, the, you know, the, the, the widow's son uh, of Nain. Um, same thing. Um, and and I would just say this, uh, and, and answering the question of Lazarus, the widow son of Nain, um, uh, the, uh, the, not the Samaritan woman, um, and the woman in the old Testament who, whose son dies. Widow um, of Zarephath. Yeah. Widow, yeah widow of Zarephath. Um, those, each and every one of those occurrences, um, even even the uh, um, the centurion's daughter, um, Peter, or, or, uh, why am I drawing a blank? The the daughter that Jesus is Talithokum, Jairus's daughter. Jairus's daughter. There you go. Um, <clears throat> this is what happens of, when I let you talk too much. Your yeah, brain it just exactly, it all it just empties just, out. It does, and just it. All of those, though, are are one-off occurrences where where God. That's why they're called a miracle because God withholds the the current state of what normally happens for something else to happen. And in this case, we don't know. We can't say for definitively. Okay, they were in heaven and now they're brought back. But what can we say? We can say that each of those things were meant for the glory of God. They were meant. To, to show that Christ is the God of the living and the God of the dead, that he conquers death. And so we can say what was normal for people was not normal for them because God was going to use them for his glory so that he could show all people who he is. You all know, right, it, it's interesting. Lazarus has on his, they, they found Lazarus's tomb. And he says, uh, once dead, uh, friend of Christ. And so, I mean, you have a, a beautiful inscription of, of who he was. He was he was twice dead, though. And he'll be twice raised. You know, that, that is the awesome part of it. So we, we've reached our end of our myths. If have you we? want more have resources. Have reached the end of the show, though? We have not reached the end of the show. <laughs> How much want coffee more do you have left? <laughs> yeah. Want more resources? We have the People's Bible, Angels and Demons. And if there's more questions, there were some questions that we didn't have time to answer. We'll probably have to take that up another time. Um, as we look at debunking angels, we had five myths that we talked about today. And uh, what do they look like? Uh, are they chubby uh, babies that are uh, have halos? Um, can we talk to angels and communicate with angels? That was number four. The devil knows your thoughts. That's uh, myth number three. Uh, num- myth number two, do we have special relationships with our guardian angels? We talked about guardian angels and that relationship and that. And do, do our loved ones become an angel? That was number one for our uh, five myths for today. So if there, you have any other questions about angels, we, you know where to find us at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Shirley or St. John Church Lutheran Church in Maribel. You have a book that you could read, Angels and, D- and Demons, by um, John Schutze, that's a people's Bible is probably in your church library uh, that you can read. And until next time, let's have a clothing thought. You have, I have your a hand clothing. raised. I do, because All there's right, a beautiful so. question by, by Susan. Beautiful question. 
did the angels know Jesus would be resurrected? Um, and did they already talk about how, uh, did we talk about how he administered in the wilderness? We didn't talk about that, but I want to make the final comment before we end the show to go to post-show. And that is, the answer is, yes, they did. Because as the testimony of the angel said, he has risen just as he said.